Good morning, Oceanville Church. The mic is working today. Good. Well, here I am again, second time. Right? Not that I'm counting for sure. But yes, that's awesome. And, and look at you, you're here, you're back. That means that I didn't scare you the first time. So let me try to do that today. Um, <laughs> no, it's just so great to be here um, with you this morning. And I'm so happy to be here and speaking uh, on the first Sunday of 2022. Wow. Like, it's a new year. Right? Have you ever tried the, uh, have, you, have you tried already like your uh, New Year's jokes? I just want to see like uh, nobody. Those jokes like, like oh, man, I think I slept for a whole year. Like I went to bed at 2021, it's 2022 the next morning. Or something like, wow, it's been a year since last time I had a shower. <laughs> nobody, to, nobody do this one? Okay. Yeah, I, I told my wife that we still do those jokes around here, so. I think she was right. Nobody does his jokes anymore. <laughs> All right. You're right, honey. She's watching from home. Yeah, you're right. Uh, as always. Um, <laughs> if, you have, if you have a printer Bible here uh, this morning, I'm going to invite you to open on 1 John uh, chapter 4. We're going to start on verse 7. If you don't have a Bible here, that's okay. Verse is on the screen for you. And we're going to read starting from verse 7, as I said, so. And he says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Well, you don't need to know me super well. To, to know that I'm a hugger. I simply love hugs. You know? And I have scientific basis for that, okay? I can prove that hugs are good. There's a research done by Duke University in North Carolina that says actually that hugs have a protective effect on the heart. Uh, it also says that the more cuddles you give your child, the better the brain develops. Isn't it fascinating? So I had to teach Micah, of course, my son, how to hug. I want their brain to develop well, so <laughs> I have to teach him how to do it. But I remember, like, since he was born, just, like, doing lots of cuddles and hugging him, and I do it still today, but I remember in the beginning, like, he was not corresponding, right? He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know what that is. But I knew that if I kept hugging him, eventually he would know what was happening. And I remember the first time he ran towards me and just gave me a long hug. I had tears in my eyes. That was, that was an awesome day. And now, like, he's, he goes around and he hugs people, uh, at least some people, right? He does it. But <laughs> the point here is that, is that I made the first move, not Micah. 
If Micah knows how to receive hugs and I'll give hugs today, that's because I taught him. That's because I hugged him first. So in the same way, the scripture says that God loved us first. He, he made the first move and, and he is always the initiator of everything. In his book, uh, Run with the Horses, uh, Eugene Peterson wrote this quote. It says, my identity does not begin when I begin to understand myself. There is something previous to what I think about, about myself, and it is what God thinks of me. That means that everything I think and feel is by nature a response, and the one to whom I respond is God. I never speak the first word. I never make the first move. This is one of the things that really sets Christianity apart from uh, other, any, any other religion system in the world. Historically, uh, in religions around the globe, like the humans are the ones who initiated the connection to try to reach the gods or spiritual beings, right? And they do that by offering them worship or, or sacrifices. Um, and they hope that by these sacrifices or worship, they will, they will be pleasing the gods, the gods will bless them, or at least not destroy them, right? And there's no true involved in that. There's no true love involved in that, right? It's more like based on a transaction scale. Like, that way it makes God look a little bit more like, come on, help me to help you. Offer me something so I can help you. As if our God needed something like that to even, like, continue to, uh, to exist. He doesn't depend on that, right? But not in Christianity, you see, Christianity is different. New Testament scholar Leo Morris, he puts it so simply. He says, God is love. This means more than God is loving or that God sometimes loves. It means that he loves. Not because he finds objects worthy of his love, but because it is his nature to love. His love for us depends not on what we are, but on what he is. And in fact, you can't just produce this kind of love even if you really wanted to. We know this love only because God showed it to us when he sent his one and only son into the world. When you were spiritually dead, when you, when you didn't know God and his love, he breathed life in us. We are born again and this time we are born of God. We're saved from eternal death and from sin, and we're brought into his own family. And to set a seal on all this, he gave us his spirit, so by, so who lives in us, and by his spirit, we're able to enjoy God's love forever. And what did I have to do in this whole story? Nothing but accept it. My friends here and watching us online, I don't, want to, I don't want you to leave this morning or turn the TV off this morning before you begin to deeply understand this truth. I know people who think their relationship with God is transactional. I, I do what is right, so I should expect God's blessings in here. Or, you know, if I do what is right, I even can pray for something that I really desire and maybe God will do for me because I'm being a good person. But if I do what's wrong, if I mess up, that's it. You know, I'm frustrating God's expectations on me. He's pretty upset right now. And therefore, I'm pretty sure no blessings come on my way for, for some time. Do you really think 
that God blesses you, that you are blessed because you do good things? God is not waiting for you to do what is right so He releases His blessings on you. He is not sitting waiting for you to make the first move so He can respond to it. Remember, He is always the initiator. He is the one who makes the first move, always. But then you say, Fernando, but what about the Israelites? Let's go back in like the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible. The Israelites were trying to get to the promised land. And I read there that they were blessed when they were following God's, God's law, God's instructions. But they were cursed when they forgot about God and didn't care about His law at all. And I'm going to say, yeah, this, this, that happened. But stop to think here. When they were cursed or, or punished... What was happening there, actually, is that they were bringing uh, destruction upon themselves, right? When we choose badly, our choices convey bad consequences. Romans chapter 6 says, the wages of a sin is death. There's no life apart from God. You know, Israel sinned so much against God along their history. But did God ever stop loving His people? Let's see, Isaiah 43 says, For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior, since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. That doesn't seem that, that doesn't sound like a God who gave up on his people. His people was, they were in, cap, in captivity at this time. And God is it's just blessing them. It's just giving them hope. He continues. It says, do not be afraid, for I am with you. I, I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. See, he even restores what was broken because of Israel's unfaithfulness. Friends, you are blessed because he loves you. That's the reason. You know, no matter what the circumstances are, His blessings are based on His love and the purposes his, He has for your life. God, God's love, I just want to challenge you this morning to change the way you think. God's love doesn't increase or decrease according to our performance. And thank you, Jesus, for that, because otherwise we'd be all hopeless. Can you imagine John chapter 3, verse 16 says, But God so loved the world. It all begins with His love. There is a song that we sing here sometimes that says, I, I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Love is who God is. That's Him. So what's my response? If God loves me so much, then... Blank. I know you're sitting there, you know, like you want to raise your hand and want to answer that one. You know, I picture like Dory from Finding Nemo just like, pick me, pick me, pick me. And, and I know that this seems very logical. Now, you know, you probably know the answer, but what if the text actually reveals something that is different than what you're thinking now? So let's continue to read this passage. You're picking up on verse 11 now. It says, dear friends... Since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. 
no one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. So I know what you're thinking here. Thinking like, what is he talking about? The, the, the text itself says on verse 11, if, since God loved us, we ought to love one another. So let me ask you a question. Let's see if we're paying attention to the text. <laughs> what words are used in the text the most uh, other than the word love? Can you, can you pick that? It's a phrasal verb. It's live in. Sometimes uh, it shows us remain in or abide in. In Greek, is the word menomen. You know, John, John quite likes this word. He uses these words 34 times in his gospel and 19 other times in, the, in his letters. Remember John 15 that we just read here before, uh, before the, the sermon started? I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Or if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Or even remain in my love. So he really wants to emphasize the importance of remaining, abiding in God. The ones who abide in him, Scripture says, they are open and desiring for the Holy Spirit to live and working in them. When you are abiding in God, the Spirit of God is doing something in us. The Bible shows us that, he doesn't, that, that the Spirit of God not only does, he does live in us, but He also teaches us all the truth about the, the love that the Father and the Son have for us. And why, the, why does He do that? Well, verse 16 says, So we know and rely on the love God has for us. The ones who abide in God, they rely on His love completely. And because you rely on his, on his love, you will find strength to overcome the hardship and the challenges that you go through this year, even without doubting. Or because you rely on his love, you choose to say no to whatever tries to move your heart away from God. Abiding in him prevents us from, prevents us from uh, just moving, being shaken every time our faith sees a challenge. I know some people who seem to be always struggling. You know those people that you talk to, like how we do when they are always doing not good. And it seems that there's so much going on. I understand there's so much going on around them and in their lives. Sometimes it takes them to that place. But it seems that all they want to do is just survive. It's like, I just want to go for one day. Some of them who believe in God, they will come to God and they will ask God for help on the times like this. And God is good. He will, he will help you. 
but there's no abiding. So the cycle continues. It's always like this. But listen, you were not called just to just survive. God called us for something more than that. Jewish novelist Champo Talk, he once told his story while he was speaking at, at a university in Baltimore in the U.S. And he said he always wanted to be a writer. And when he went to college, his, his mom took him aside and just said, you know, like the last mom advice before you go, like, Cham, I know you want to be a writer, but I have a better idea. Why don't you be a surgeon? You know, you, make, you keep a lot of people from dying. You make, a lot of, you make a lot of money. And Cham just like replied, no, mama, I want to be a writer. And then he went to college. The first vacation break, he comes home, and he, one day his mom found him like alone, sitting alone. And then she asked him again. She actually told him again, said like, Cham, I know you want to be a writer. Listen to your mama. Be a surgeon. You know, you keep a lot of people from dying. You make a lot of money. Jim, just again, like, mama, no, I, I want to be a writer. And then he went back to school. And then every vacation break, every time Jim comes home, this became recurring. It's just like every time he comes home, his mom found him alone, and Jim. I know you want you to be a writer. Listen to your mama. Be a surgeon. You keep a lot of people from dying. You, you, you make a lot of money. And you always answer the same thing. No, mama. I want you to be a writer. And then one day, finally, like, the mom just exploded and just found him alone and said, Cham, you're wasting your time. Be a brain surgeon. You keep a lot of people from dying. You make a lot of money. And Chen looked at his mother and just said, Mama, I don't want to keep people from dying. I want to teach them how to live. I want to show them how to live. God called us to live, not just survive. Right? And this is only possible if we are abiding in Him. When we are abiding in Him, we become more and more mature in Him over time. But the problem is that we interrupt this process. We like to do it. We interrupt this process time to time. We lack perseverance. Think about how many times you come to church, you're challenged by the Word of God as preached here, you know, and you go home so motivated, you say like, this is my week, you know, things are changing here. And by Tuesday, you don't even remember what the message was on Sunday. You know, sometimes our devotion, it works so well on Sundays, but it's gone by Monday. And we don't abide. Well, if you do, like we do for two and three days, but then there we go, we, we gave up again, we failed. You know, and this happens to all of us, myself included. One day we're so busy that you don't have time to spend with God. You don't have time to pray. You don't have time to read the Bible. Just spend some time on the Scriptures. And then you do that, the same thing on the next day. And the next day you're busy again, and you do it again, and you do it again. You know, John Wesley once said, I have so much to do 
that I spend several hours in prayer before I'm able to do it. What is he telling us here? He's telling us that the way that we get through our daily challenges, our day-to-day lives, is determined by how much time we spend with the one who is bigger than our challenges. Sometimes, just picture that, sometimes you have like a gigantic problem, a huge problem to solve. It's on your plate, needs to be solved. And then God goes ahead of you. And then that huge problem just became a little tiny thing right before your eyes. Isn't it incredible? There is no limits for God. We have limits. Our faith is small, but He has no limits. I remember when I was applying for college here in Canada, and I need to uh, pay, I had to pay for the application fee that cost $400. I worked, I, I worked at camp, as you know, so I was making lots of money, so I just got my wallet, just got the money, pay it, and that's the end of the story. Where was I? Uh, no, no, not really. Not really. Okay, I, I did work at camp. This part is true, but I was making little money. <laughs> and I had sent some money to my parents in Brazil, so I, I had nothing left. So I remember my time with God. I went to my, my room, and I just prayed. I said, God, I can't pay for the application fee. What should I do? And then a few days later, I have a friend that lives in Vancouver, and she phoned me. And a few days later, and she, her job was so demanding. The poor woman had to work so much on the next extra. She had to actually do extra hours in the next couple of days. But she didn't find anyone to babysit her son. And she, she phoned me and said, like, I don't know, like, can you do it? And I was like, sure, I have a couple of days off. I can help you. So I went over to Vancouver. Um, I babysat the kid, like, for two days. And, uh, and then I came back. And then one day later, she transferred me $200. I was like, whoa, blown away, right? I didn't even consider like quitting camp and starting a babysitting business. I thought like, it could be more profitable, right? But, but instead, I said to the Lord, like, you sent me half of the money. But I, I still need the other half. I know you have a plan. Like, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to stand? And then two days later, um, my friend and mentor in Brazil, he sent me a message. And I remember that they were not going through like, good times like, uh, financially, and they just had a baby at the time. But he, anyways, he texted me and said, Fernando, we were praying for you this week, and God told us over and over that you, you had a financial need. So we talked. We looked at our budget, and it's not much, but we're sending you something, and I, I really hope it blesses you somehow. I opened my bank account, and I couldn't believe my eyes. They sent me exactly $200. Abide in God, and you begin to see how God cares about you in every single detail of your life. Begin to experience His love poured out on you. How amazing it is when you are weary of feeling defeated and then a song comes to your mind. The Spirit reminds you of a song 
and that puts you back on your feet. Or you remember a single verse of scripture that just awakes your heart to see the beauty of God's life around you and in you. Jesus speaking of abiding in God, he says in John 15, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Friends, seek God with your whole heart and you start experiencing this kind of joy that doesn't depend on the circumstances you are in. The final piece I want to share with you today is actually in the next verses. So we're going to take a look at that. And we're going to read from verse 17. Let's see what the Word of God says to us. And it says, this is how, this is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to, to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God who they have not seen. And he has given us this, com this command. He says, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and their sister. You see, the passage says that the presence of God in us is the way love is perfected among us. You know, it removes, his presence removes the fear of condemnation that tries to take over every time you look in the mirror and you see our brokenness, you see the brokenness of motives, our inclinations. But Romans chapter 8 says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What an assurance we have. You know, fear is kicked out, like in the rear end, out of our lives, uniquely by His love that covers a multitude of sins. You know, this enables love to go deep and in all directions. We are free to love God and love others. And interestingly enough, there is exactly what naturally happens when we abide in God. When we truly abide in Him, we can't help but display the sign of it. And the sign, the true sign of abiding in God is His love overflowing from the heart. So now, but you can see that John's request to love one another without the abiding would be nothing but a performance task. You know, without the abiding, I would be preaching a try-hard sermon here this morning. You know, go home, try harder, you'll be back, you'll be, be back next week, you'll be better. And then you'll keep doing this until eternity. Um, no. You know, I will be setting all of us up to failure. But Jesus, Jesus already said in John 15, and here I am again quoting John 15. Man, what a chapter. John 15 is so good. <laughs> Remain in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Because he is the source 
if we're not connected to him, then our love is empty. We may be grateful, you know, but you won't go any deeper. You may show a kind of love for God and others that looks beautiful on the outside, but there is like ultimately, like deep inside related to our own need to feel purposeful, useful, you know, rather than actually be rooted in our identity in Jesus. John makes it, John also makes it clear that loving God that you cannot see and not loving someone that you can't see is simply impossible. You can't do that. There's no way to do that. So here's the challenge. If you find yourself having a really hard time to love someone, believe me, the problem doesn't lie with that individual. It probably lies with you. You need to go spend more time with him who is the source of love. So let the Spirit of God recalibrate your heart this morning. Maybe you need to forgive. Maybe you need to release someone that has been like the reason of so much bitterness that you're keeping inside. Or maybe you need to, to begin to pray for someone. Maybe it's a classmate that you see like giving you a hard time or giving your friends a hard time. Maybe it's time to start praying for him. I, I don't know, but I pray that the Spirit of God will bring it to your mind. And then with no fear, you'll be able to abide in his love and truly, truly love others. Friends, maybe you came here this morning expecting a, a sermon about New Year's resolutions and what the best of God is for me, like, in 2022. And, you know, it's fair. Like, we went through so much in 2021 and 2020. And, but let me tell you, you want to know the best of God? The best of God for you in 2022, in, 2020, in 2032, in 2042, in 2052, it's always found living in His presence. So my prayer and hope this morning is that you go home full of confidence in God's love for you, which does not depend on your performance. So freeing. And I pray that that confidence will help you abide in God. And then you will know how to love others. Not because you have to, but because it overflows from your heart. Because you are dwelling in His presence. Amen? Pastor Darren, you come.